0: Good morning, Riverside. Hi, thank you so much for having me. My name is Sandra Hedrick and I am on the staff of the Presbytery of St. Augustine and um, greet you from our 54 churches from here down to Ocala and up to Fernandina and across to Perry. And I have visited Riverside many times and been invited to preach a few times and I'm always super happy to be here. And here I am on the very first Sunday in January. How lucky am I to get to bring the word on the first Sunday? Our second scripture reading is from the gospel according to John, and we are going to be reading verse ch- chapter 1, verse 1 through 18. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to Riverside and to you this morning. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Not one thing came into being without him. What is coming to be come into being with him was life and life was the light of all people. And the world came into being through him, but the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him and believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh, came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God's, the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On Friday morning, December 31st, the very last day of the year, I sat down by myself with a hot cup of coffee and a blank paper page to outline the message I'm really excited to share with you today. A few hours from then, I had a time that I was gonna meet with my very best girlfriend. We have an annual tradition among us that we get together and we look back at the year before and we look ahead at the year to come and we set some sort of intentions and to be honest, Maybe you feel this way. It seemed like 2020 and 2021 were one long continuous year. So we had a lot to do, but as I looked back, there are some really bright spots that stand out to me that were changes. And uh, one of them was my decision to semi-retire that I shared about last time I was here in the late summer from my pastor work at Kirkwood, where I was for five and a half years. And that big change happened in May, and it did help me spend more time with family and friends. It did achieve that. Not as much, I'm kind of a workaholic, so not as much as I'd hoped. Still working in presbytery work. But we have taken two trips since then. We have had grandchildren over to spend the night. And I'm reading way more books, I find. I didn't expect that. And way more news, online usually, different newspapers or other media. So reading that, And thinking about that, the way it seems to me is that as as we cross the bridge to 2022, is that our world, our nation, our community, our churches are still in a little bit of a mess, a lot of uncertainty. A dollar is not worth what it was last first Sunday of the year. People can still be quite disagreeable, do you agree? you're not disagreeable about that. COVID, the weather, and lots of other things keep surprising us, keep coming up on us and saying, hello, you don't know what I'm going to do. So these are some of the exact reasons that I chose this scripture today. The first words of the Gospel of John, one of my very favorites. John intentionally channels Genesis chapter 1. We know that says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in John chapter 1, he writes, in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the Word, Word, is logos or logos, different ways of pronouncing it, in the original Greek. And the ancient people who first heard John write, right, probably right before the first, end of the first century, would have thought about the layers of meaning such as the order behind everything the order behind the universe the reason and wisdom of God we know God's word also maybe you would have thought it more familiar as in the Bible or maybe God's words in the Bible like let there be light or be still and know that I am God so as John continues to write we don't know this at first You might know because you've heard it before, but you wouldn't know it at first. Eventually, we realize he's talking about Jesus, right? He's talking about Jesus. The word is in there in the beginning. Jesus is there at the beginning. Jesus is life, the light of all people. And my favorite phrase, the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have just celebrated and will continue to celebrate that word John's lyrical, hopeful, inspiring, and even comforting poem speaks of eternal things, deeply spiritual things, things of a God who speaks a word and creates and provides and then comes into the world. And from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. And this scripture is foundational to my faith. Maybe you're um, thinking that's pretty important to yours too and to the church universal. What a relief it is as the year unfolds that this all-good, all-gracious God holds all things in strong, loving, powerful hands. From the billions of suns, billions and billions that light up the galaxy to the little, tiniest creature you might have seen on a walk in the last week, crawling on the ground, and then the Word became flesh and lived among us. I love this passage, but this time I studied it and I did not expect this to happen. I found something in it, it's always been there, that really bothered me this week. And what really bothered me, really bothered me, became a question that I have and it became one that I can't totally resolve. But it's what I'm going to be sharing about as I continue and complete this message. There are two places in the scripture that I don't think belong. They don't belong. There's a Sesame Street song I can't sing very well. Maybe you know it. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things doesn't belong. And then the kids are supposed to guess which of the things don't belong. Well, as John's poem poetically, majestically shares about spiritual things, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he drops in. There was a man from God, sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify the light, but he wasn't the light. And then abruptly, back to the poetry about eternal, spiritual things, beautiful words, words that I could go to sleep to, words we could write music to. And then a few verses later, with parentheses, the editors add, as if they are totally sure this doesn't belong, so they're going to put it in parentheses, so you know they know. John testified to him and cried out, One of the most confusing verses in the Bible. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks ahead of me because he was before me. Why? And then back to the poetry to finish up about spiritual, beautiful, majestic things. I don't know why John broke up his poetic words this way. It's not like I don't appreciate the story about the man named John the Baptist. In fact, the very next section, if you have your Bible out, you'll see the very next section devotes a lot of words to John the Baptist. Why not put that information in the next section? We know that John the Baptist was a relative of Jesus. We know he baptized Jesus. We know he knew who Jesus was. We know he ate weird stuff. We know he dressed in a weird way. We know he died too soon in a very violent story. So, why didn't the gospel writer John tell us about eternal spiritual things, happy things, and then just put all the things about John in the next part? That's what I would have done. I used to be a lawyer. You know, in a brief, you wouldn't have just stuck some stuff in that didn't belong. Well, as I wondered and prayed this week of why was it written this way? And I sat down to organize my thoughts. I had some, a few humble insights I want to share. The first is that even though John, the gospel writer interrupted his flow with the man, John, maybe Human beings, even eccentric and annoying ones, are not an interruption. Genesis tells us within a few days of God saying, let there be light, God made people. God created humankind in God's own image. God blessed us and called us good. In the first few words of John's gospel, it says that God's light enlightens everyone. It's hard to fathom, but it's true that God and people are interconnected in light and love. It seems to me, and I'm not the first to say this, that when the word became flesh, that said, hey, human being human is good. Flesh is good. So maybe human beings, even eccentric and annoying ones, don't start thinking of someone you know, belong in John's prologue because they are part of the plan and order of creation. We are part. We are not an interruption. We are the plan. So my other wondering was if human beings are not an interruption, why are they interrupting us all the time? We know that John the Baptist came and interrupted everybody and everything, spiritual what was going on, institutional what was going on, people and their uh, lives, wanting them to start over and start new. Jesus was always interrupting the status quo. Jesus interrupted the Pharisees. Jesus interrupted disease and brought healing. And remember that day when Jesus interrupted those four fishermen and said, follow me. We're not an interruption, but we sure are good interrupters, aren't we? And this whole thing made me realize that I am way too closed off to being interrupted by people. After all, haven't a lot of God sent changes in my life come from interruption? Why am I so closed off? The first seed of the idea of going to seminary, and I went when I was 51, and that was 15 years ago came as an interruption. I was working at my desk one day um, in my law office, and the pastor at that time at South Jacksonville, where I was a member, called me up and interrupted my work and said, would you come to a fundraising breakfast for Columbia Theological Seminary? And just to be nice, simply to be nice, I said yes. And at that breakfast was the first seed of the big change. Many years before that, I met my husband of 42 years. I was, um, it was the first day, before the first day at law school, where we both went. I was focused on copying down the assignments, which you had to do from a bulletin board. You remember, anybody know what that is? It's not on the, it wasn't on the internet, it wasn't in an email, it was on a bulletin board. And I was copying it down, and I'm always trying to be a good girl and a good student. I was copying it down correctly and someone tapped on my shoulder said, turn around, Sandra, I want you to meet someone. I want you to meet Chuck. And less than three years later, we were married. I bet you can give me plenty of examples of interruptions by people that made big changes in your life, most, most for the good. When I chose this scripture three weeks ago or so for January 2nd with you, I didn't think I was going to, be bothered by that or talk about that. I thought I would read the beautiful, lyrical, divine, heavenly, inspiring word of the first chapter of John, and we would all go uninterrupted with our relationship of God, go home and feel better and feel better about the year because it feels good to be close to God without being interrupted by people. But my other insight here is to turn the Sesame Street song uh, to my own words. One of these things is not like the other, but both things actually do belong, God and people. And I underlined that. In 1 John 4:20, it says, Those who do not love a brother and sister whom they have seen, how can they love God whom they have not seen? Jesus taught and showed us how to love God and people at the exact same time. This spiritual principle is so hard to follow all the time, and certainly for me, that Jesus had to scold his disciples for scolding moms and dads for bringing their children to see Jesus. Remember that? So I want to finish my testimony this morning by sharing how this message preparation figured into my meeting with my best friend later that day as the interruptions of the world and both of us recognize that things are still uncertain things still surprise us things are still disagreeable i will ground myself in the word of god that god has things in control that god's hands are on the situations that God is bringing healing, that God is bringing peace, that the word was made flesh. But I can't expect my relationship with God to be uninterrupted by people. People are not an interruption. And it's part of God's plan that they do interrupt us. So my word for this year is relationship. This year, I want to welcome interruptions of people. I want to welcome children who make a lot of noise. I want to welcome new friends that become close to my heart. I want to welcome people who open doors to new possibilities that I maybe don't even know that they're gonna call or I'm gonna meet. I want to welcome strangers who do things in different ways and neighbors that God has sent to help and maybe I get to interrupt some people too. I'm ready to be interrupted. Afterwards, you all can interrupt me, <laughs> talk to me. I look forward to meeting you. And I'm thinking that this whole relationship thing could lead to more wonder. Wonder about how does the light of God enlighten everyone? Like it says in this passage, that's what I want to see. How does the light of God enlighten everyone? To God be the glory. Amen.